global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. The Bloomberg Futures Report brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. Global stocks are rallying. The pound is strengthening the most since 2008. On signs the campaign for the U.K. to stay in the E.U. is gaining momentum. The yen is declining with U.S. Treasuries and gold as haven demand eases. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures up 25 points. Dow E-mini futures up 208. NASDAQ E-mini futures up 56. And the DAX in Germany is up 3.5%. So is the CAC in Paris. And the FT100 is up 3.3%. Ten-year Treasury down 14.30 seconds. The yield 1.65%. Yield on the two-year 0.71%. NYMEX crude oil up 2.2% or $1.07 to 49.05 a barrel. COMEX gold down 8 tenths percent or $10.00. 80 cents to 12.84 an ounce. The euro, $1.1348. The British pound, $1.4650. The yen, 104.46. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, thank you very much. Tom and I are in London all week for the uh, Brexit debate. Somebody who already Brexited is Danny Blanchflower. He did. He He did. He left the country. (laughs) uh, Was a former member of the Monetary Policy Committee. Now hangs out in Hanover, New Hampshire in the United States of America at Dartmouth College uh, as a professor of economics. Um, clearly, uh, you found an economic reason to leave. But can you make, yeah. a, can you make a case uh, for the economics of Brexit? Uh, there's a lot of emotion. There is a lot of question about um, European bureaucracy and whether or not right. the British have their own uh, – can, can make the, d- determine their own destiny. But on an economic basis, can you say there's a way to be better off without the European Union? Well, well my, my dear friend Jared Lyons, who's a graduate student with me, has made, has made a case, as have Roger Bootle and a number of others in the U.K., but – Dominantly, the economics profession thinks that this is a dangerous leap in the dark, um, going essentially to who knows where. Um, uh, yesterday in The Guardian, 10 Nobel Prize winners in economics, led by Chris Pisarides and Merlis and, and others, said that this was a dangerous thing to do. And 280 economists the other day, and with which I was a signatory, said they thought Brexit was a mistake. I think more than anything that you are going to the unknown. It's absolutely unclear what that post-Brexit vote world would look like. Um, there are sovereign arguments. There are arguments about the fact that you don't want to be associated with the EU. But I think everybody thinks that they look very dangerous. But what's happened, of course, is that people say forecasts by economists have been so absolutely terrible. Many of these economists said that the UK should actually not stay uh, uh, with the pound and should join the euro. So this is a very complex debate. But I would say you know, on the one hand, on the other hand, economics dominantly, economists think that they should, the UK should remain. And with the market, with the poll move towards that today, the markets have, have, have seemed to follow that and seem to think that um, remain is a much safer um, bet. But, you know, I think the polls are too close to call. Who knows what direction the bias is? Maybe it looks like Scotland. But I think the economics are you should stay where you are, you shouldn't leave. And uh, how would you 
go about modeling that? I mean, how do you figure it out if it's, a, if it's so complicated? Well, I think the answer is that um, it's really very hard to do. You think of it as a shock. I mean, I think the, the answer is that in the short term, it would essentially be a surprise. So, you know, we'll be, we'll be watching on Thursday night. If there is a Brexit vote, you would imagine that there would be a sharp surprise to the markets. Um, the, the rise in, in, in sterling that we've seen over the last four or five days presumably would reverse itself. But the question then in the long run, would things be better? But it's certainly true in the short run that the markets would go into a tizzy, would have a major impact on the on the pound. And I assume that the MPC, if there's a vote for Brexit by by you know, dawn on to Friday, the MPC will have an emergency meeting that Friday. And their puzzle, of course, is to know whether to raise rates or to lower them. How do you respond to a group of economists that say the whole thing's overwrought, granted it's political, granted it's migration, immigration, etc.? How do you respond to people that say changes won't be that great within the macroeconomics of continental Europe or the United Kingdom? Yeah, I've heard you, and I heard you talking, saying Olivia Blanchard and others are thinking that. I mean, I always think of the role of a central banker and a policymaker is always that you should prepare for the worst and hope for the better. The danger, I think, for those who say all would really be fine, don't worry about it, is they can't really answer the question, what if you're wrong? What if there is a flight? of capital? What if there are more companies than Ford, who apparently today have written to their 14,000 members and workers in the UK saying a Brexit vote would be very dangerous for them? I mean, clearly, um, that would be a worry. But I think the answer to those who say, don't worry about it, all would be well, is that they don't really have a counter to well, what if you're wrong and things are much worse than that? And there is a flight of capital and the markets, um, the markets really worry a lot. And the danger could be that this could essentially be a global, a shock to the global economy, perhaps even comparable to 2008. Supposing that is true, you just can't allow for such a major downside risk. Hence why, um, Janet Yellen, the President of the United States, the IMF, the OECD and everyone has come out and said, beware, beware, beware. Well, they do have the swap lines in place. Dollars yep. would be available. Uh, Mark Carney can issue a statement, and uh, so can Janet Yellen, saying, you know, we stand by to meet any liquidity needs. How much would markets really panic? Well, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I, I mean, I don't know the answer to it, of course, and nobody does. Um, the, in, in some sense, I still think, um, Mike, that a, that a Brexit change has not been priced in. Um, today, the market has moved away thinking that actually this is going to be like a Scottish event. But supposing on Thursday at Thursday night, we actually get a Brexit vote. I mean, in some sense, that would be a shock, I think. Um, and that, right. that's the concern. I think the shock no. and, the, and the fact that it's not priced in by the markets. I mean, they were pricing in right. two days ago. Now it's moved the other way. But if it suddenly swings back, presumably you're going to see Volatility okay. In the let's do this. Professor, let's come back. Danny Blanche, of course, former member of the Bank of England from Dartmouth College. We are in London. Stay with us worldwide. Bloomberg Surveillance. We're counting down to the opening bell brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today.
Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning, I'm Karen Moscow, along with Tom Keen and Michael McKee, and the opening bell brought to you by SEI. Imagine when investment operations predictably respond to regulatory change. See how SEI's global operating platform can be your catalyst for business transformation at SEIC.com slash imagine. Stocks are higher at the open. The S&P 500 up 8 tenths percent or 16 points to 2088. Dow Jones Industrial Average up 8 tenths percent or 141 points to 17,819. And then NASDAQ up 1.2% or 57 points to 48.57. Ten-year Treasury down 18.30 seconds. The yield 1.66%. Yield on the two-year 0.71%. NYMEX crude oil up 1.8% or 88 cents to 48.86 a barrel. And COMEX gold is down 1% or $12.80 to 12.82 an ounce. The euro $1.1343. The yen is at 104.50. And the British pound $1.4646. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. We continue with David Blanchflower, of course, at Dartmouth College, uh, and also, uh, at one point, a member of the Bank, uh, Bank of England as well. Professor Blanchflower, your classic book is The Wage Curve, and buried down at the bottom of it is a reality. Each country right. is different. You've got wage curves in other European countries. You talk of Canada, South Korea, Australia, and other nations. This morning in the Times of London, there is simply a discussion of Norway and of the Canadian model uh, of a United Kingdom ex-Europe. What should we be afraid of or worried about in our analysis of the United Kingdom versus Norway or Canada? Well, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, I think the reality is that the people who've been advocating leave have been unable to say what a post-Brexit world would look like. Um, is it Norway? Is it Switzerland? And actually, one of them actually advocated that the model ought to be Albania, Tom. So imagine that, rather than Norway or Switzerland. I mean, the question is, what sort of arrangements could be made once you leave the external, the free market with its external barrier? Um, what arrangements would be made with the, with the European Union and elsewhere? And the answer is, we simply don't know. And the levers have been unable to enumerate that. So I think much as any thing, that is the dominant argument of why you shouldn't leap into the unknown. I mean, I think it literally is a leap into the unknown. Uh, in many cases, you'd actually have to pay the, pay the, if you like, pay the prices, pay the, um, the cost of being in there and being able to, unable to impact and influence what happens. Generally, you want to be inside uh, a free trade area, not outside subject to the trade barrier. And let's not re- forget the parts of the UK, you can actually see France. A big chunk of the UK actually has a land border with the European Union. It's called Northern and Southern Ireland. And we have to think what would happen there. So I think it's actually um, uh, 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 the uncertainty. And I think back to Mike's earlier question, I was just looking at the market reaction, as I say, in the last four days, when it starts to look like the Remain Mm -hmm. is going to win. 
And I just think that's what markets are thinking. They think, golly, okay, this is looking better. And I do still think we have to think what would happen on Friday morning if a Brexit vote comes, which is a surprise. Presumably the markets are going to tank. And I think that's very like that. The, the, the improvement we've seen in the last six days, I assume, will instantly reverse on right. Friday morning. Right. My tank is an Ivy League phrase that you use <laughs> within senior year you know, seminars in macroeconomics. We should point out a couple of quick things here. The markets have opened, and the Dow goes uh, more than 200, almost 250 points higher almost immediately. Yeah, crisis over. Right. Uh, Supreme Court. Uh, is releasing some decisions. Uh, they're at the end of the term, and they have some major decisions to release, and they have just released one that allows New York and Connecticut's assault weapon bans to remain in place. They did not strike down the assault <coughs> weapon bans that were passed by New York and Connecticut in the wake of the uh, shooting of the children in Connecticut a couple of years ago. And so that is an interesting development. Uh, remember, this court's divided four to four, but they uh, let the assault weapon ban in those states stand. Interesting. Well, I think we'll probably do more of that in a bit. Let us continue with David Blanchflower uh, right now. Um, this is all about economic growth. At the end of the day, I right. think we can all agree that, you know, I, th- I think of the economist Jeffrey Immelt of GEU once said, look, 3.2% real growth would solve a lot of problems. When's it going to happen, Professor? I don't see it down the pike for America, the United Kingdom, et cetera. Well, I, I don't. I mean, I've probably been one of the people mostly saying I don't see growth coming. I see that. Um, that is correct. The, the idea that uh, the central bank should be raising rates, I mean, I've pulled scorn on that for a very long time. I um, think in the U.S. we've seen these very bad job numbers. Uh, we've seen slowing in the U.K. in many respects, particularly in the last 12 months. We've seen a big decline in business and consumer confidence. I think it looks like many of these economies are slowing again. Um, we saw some decent employment numbers in the U.K. this week, but when you dig deeper, what you find is it's all part-time work, and actually total hours has fallen. So I don't think that these economies are in any way resilient to a shock. So think about the shock we've just been talking about. We're not in a position to cut rates. It doesn't look like um, fiscal authorities are going to leap in and do lots and lots of stimulus. So supposing we have a shock, which looked like what happened in 2008 or something like it, how prepared are these authorities? And the answer is they're not. Central banks can't cut rates in the way that they did. So resiliency for shocks isn't there. And I just looked at the numbers for the UK. UK GDP per capita today is 1% above what it was in 2008. So people are hurting. Um, and that's a lot of the reason people are, you know, people are unhappy about remain and yeah. so on. But the economies are not resilient. We are in a, in a sense, it's an unfortunate timing because I think another shock is on its way. What would bring that shock on? What do you mean a shock? Uh, that implies well, I think the business sudden. cycle turns, Mike. I mean, we know very well that there are that the business cycle comes, um, and this potential shock is coming at a time probably in the U.K. when the economy is slowing anyway. So I just think that's a, that, that, that's a particular problem. And if, and if there is a Brexit vote, I think it's going to have a major shock on the U.K., a major effect on Europe, and probably on the global economy. Uh, the, the question um, that one has is, though, what brings us to the end of a business cycle? The traditional argument is that uh, somebody like a central bank brings you there. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I've been on your program many times saying I look back at the previous cycles and tightening cycles and so on. I hear all your, oftentimes if you hear guests say, in the previous cycle, and Blanchard normally says, well, we haven't had a previous cycle like this. We've never been at the zero lower bound before. We've not been in a situation where many central banks around the world are in negative rates. So I just think this is a new one. This is a one where the global, the, such global growth as we have is being propped up by monetary stimulus particularly, but there's very little room to respond to a really potentially bad shock. It's just not shock resilient in the way that it was in the past. When you look at the debates that we are having, very quickly here, Professor, I'm sure we'll have you mm. back on in the coming days. What will you listen for from people like you who are pro-Brexit? To me, they've been quiet recently. What will you? I'm not pro Brexit, but no, I know that. I want to, I know no, no, that. I want to. I mean, I really want to hear some serious analysis. I mean, I think um, there have not, there has not been um, much serious analysis. I mean, the other thing to, to, that I want to hear is how you're going to deal with the political crisis that will inevitably follow. I mean, if there's a Brexit vote on Thursday night, presumably the government falls on Friday. So there's going to be political crisis. We're going to have to see a new government. We're going to see a new prime minister. Um, how do you deal with an economic policy when the policymakers themselves are in disarray? Mm -hmm. We don't even know who a new well, chancellor would be. So Danny, thank you so much. David Blanche Flower with Dartmouth College. The Dow up 242. This hour of surveillance brought to you by Palisades Audi. Visit palisadesaudi.com. Here's Michael Barr with news headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Big donations from Wall Street contributors could leave if presumptive Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton picks Senator Elizabeth Warren as a running mate. That's according to Politico, citing a dozen interviews with Democratic donors on Wall Street. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is meeting today with his top advisors in New York. The presumptive Republican presidential nominee will discuss a political strategy after Trump staff members tell Bloomberg people in Trump's inner circle are frustrated with what they see as a lack of coordination and communication. The FBI plans today to release a partial transcript of the conversations police in Orlando, Florida, had with a gunman who opened fire on a gay nightclub. Attorney General Loretta Lynch told ABCs this week that one goal is to build a complete profile of gunman Omar Mateen to help prevent similar future attacks. We are going back and scrubbing every contact we had with this killer. We're also asking people to come forward with the contacts they have had with this killer as well. I think what's important, though, is to continue to keep our focus on the victims of this tragic crime as well. The shooting left 49 people dead. The fourth tropical storm of the season has formed off eastern Mexico. The U.S. National Hurricane Center says Danielle formed in the Gulf of Mexico. Global News, 24 hours a day. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom. And Michael, thanks so much. Appreciate that again. Big moves in the market. The VIX 16.95. From London, all this week, Michael McKee and Tom Keen, Bloomberg Surveillance. Coming up on Bloomberg Surveillance, how do you invest with all this volatility? We'll talk with Kate Warren from Edward Jones next on Surveillance. 